You're listening to the Biz Babes with Soul podcast with your host, Melody Spencer, a show where female entrepreneurs get radically honest about life and business. Today's episode is sponsored by Swiftly Social Digital Marketing. Swiftly Social helps people create a heart-centered digital marketing and Facebook ads strategy that gets you results. For a free video tutorial on how to grow your Facebook following by 10,000 or more, visit swiftlysocial.com. Hey guys, welcome to the Biz Babes with Soul podcast. I'm your host, Melody Spencer, and I'm so excited to have my friend Lee Fowler here today. So Lee is a content creation strategist, and she's also an author of a brand new book that I'm sure she'll talk about. I've been wanting to get Lee on the podcast for months. She and I met in Toronto at our coach, Cassie Howard's intimate retreat, and we just became fast friends. And I don't know if you guys relate to this, but sometimes you just meet someone and you're like, oh my gosh, I've needed to meet you for so long. Like, we're like, kindred spirits. That's how I felt with Lee. So (laughs) I'm so thankful she's here today. Welcome, Lee. Oh, thanks, Melody. Yeah, absolutely. We just like synchronized, like we synced as soon as we, you know, we we went out, we hung out and, and just like the vibes were good. So I'm just so happy to be here today. Thanks for having me. Yeah. First of all, this is a new idea I had last night. I want to start asking everybody this and then we can get into the meat of what you do. But I want to know how you define success and what that's looked like in your life and business. Hey, you know what? That's a great question. I was, I'm always really scared, you know, like, oh gosh, we're going to get personal, but this is what it's all about. I think that the more real and authentic you are online and and the more you practice at it, the easier it is and, and the less nervous you get. Um, but I've been doing this for 20 years and I still get nervous. So it's all good. Um, so your question about what does it mean to be successful as an entrepreneur or in life or what, what, what is my definition of success? Yeah. I would tell you that having gone through a variety of situations in corporate and in business building as an entrepreneur, one of the things that I've always come back to is, am I doing my best? And if you are and have any background in athletics and sports, that's a really easy thing to ask yourself, you know, because you're like, oh, did I do my training today? Did I show up? Did I, you know, check in? Did I follow my diet plan? Did I get enough sleep? Like there's all these things in in sports and athletics. It's really easy. And unfortunately, you know, as entrepreneurs, we're not given that like, you know, manual of like, you know, here's a step-by-step of what it means to be showing up and doing your best. And so I think asking yourself, you know, like, what are those things that I can do to be my best today? And, and, you know, for me, that's about honoring my word and my commitment and showing up and being consistent, you know, and, and, and ultimately being like having that awareness of what it means to be doing my best. And then asking myself and checking in daily, like, am I doing my best and showing up in the best way? Yeah. I love that. I, I, I love that because so many of us, define success by people giving us that feedback, by the money we receive. Even I was just talking last night with my husband and I was saying, gosh, I feel like I'm starting to define success by how much money I make. And this year has been very up and down for me as far as money in total transparency. And so I don't feel successful because I 
and not pulling in, you know, like a hundred thousand dollars or a million dollars or whatever, when so many people around me are saying they do. So I like that you define success by doing your best and by keeping your word, because that's something I can get behind. And it's less, I guess, draining on your soul to define that as your successful point rather than money and celebrity and all that. Well, yeah, I think that unfortunately, a lot of us attach our self-worth to our worthiness in business. And I Mm -hmm. have gone through that roller coaster ride and continue to to fall into that from time to time if I'm not careful of attaching my good money days to how great, you know, my, my, how, how much I'm worth and, oh, am I deserving of the things in life? And then when I have those bad days, it's like, shoot, uh, now what, you know, like, oh, like I, you know, it's, it's just terrible. So I will give, you know, a, an even better analogy of that because I think that I learned this lesson racing as a Canadian national cycling team athlete in the nineties. It was a long time ago. And I was racing in Europe where I was one of the the team helpers, the domestiques, if you will. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Do you watch the Tour de France ever or? No, I'm not a sports person. <laughs> I don't I it. I have friends that are into cycling, but it's not, that's not me. Okay. Okay. Well, but I think you can appreciate the analogy I'll share with you. Long story short. Um, Basically, you know, I was in this race, I was, I was racing with people in the next level. So I was kind of an up and comer and I wasn't really top of the pack at the moment, but I was three or four days into a race where I was at the bottom of the totem pole. And at this point, like I was, nobody was really worried about me and the results and rankings and the day-to-day overall timing and stuff. So at one point, my job was just to protect my teammates and chase down anything that went away. And when I did see an opportunity to chase down somebody, I ended up actually taking off away from the rest of the pack and opening up a, a pretty big gap on the, on the rest of the field. And, you know, there was 80 kilometers left in the race, and it was just like this grueling push through to, to actually make a decision and commit and believe that I could do it. We took off, and towards the end of the race, we were so close, like I could hear the field catching up and the spinning of the gears and, and the bike pedals catching up to us. But the three of us, the three people that I had, uh, you know, myself and two others, we were so close to the finish line. We could hear them breathing down our necks. And I just dug in, I believed, and I crossed my finish line in third place. And wow, that's amazing. well, that's amazing in itself. And, but what I will tell you is that the lesson I learned, like I, I remember crossing the line and, and just, uh, it, it, because third place, yeah, like the, the moral of the story was that I was, it was not a first place finish, but it was my most favorite finish because I took the risk. I saw an opportunity. I made a decision. I committed to it. I believed in it. And, um, I took the action and it may not have been a gold medal. It may not have been a first place, but it was me doing my best. And so that's where I just want to circle back. You know, I just felt like I needed, I was called to share that story because uh, it's not always about the money, right? Yeah. And, and so, yeah, like if you're in integrity and if you are showing up and, and doing your best, then I think you can go further with that than, than you know, the energy that drains you from the ups and downs and the money, money pieces. Yeah. So I'm not an expert, but I will tell you, <laughs> there's my metaphor for the day. <laughs> no, I really like that. So let's circle back to how the heck you went from 
you know, Canadian national athlete to being a female entrepreneur creating content. How did you get to those two places? <laughs> you know, it's funny. I always used to look back and, and I hear these stories of people saying like, oh, I was always an entrepreneur. I was always an entrepreneur. And I always felt like, oh no, I, I went full on, you know, 2013 full time with this incorporated business that I'm running today. And then I, I kind of dug a little bit deeper. And when I finished bike racing and, and towards the last few years of bike racing, in the 90s, I actually found that the media options out there for cyclists to read about female cyclists and to read about um, younger riders, up and coming younger riders, there was so little out there. And so after I, um, I just, I kind of started approaching different publications about being their editor and helping them with their story ideas and, and recruiting interviews and just making things, you know, opening up their readership to a, to a wider audience. From that, after I quit, I, I found I wanted to give back to the sport of cycling and just inspire people and 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 get out there and teach and 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 bring things to the media that I hadn't seen before. And along the way, I found that I wanted to eventually just learn more and more, but I, I was never formally trained. So I went to a school called like electronic media design, where I got to learn things like color theory and user interface and mm -hmm. uh, typography, things like that. And also the theory of, of communication and how to, how to design. I mean, it was just like in a fully intensive training. And from there, I launched my first online cycling magazine. And that was pretty cool. Uh, it was, That's awesome. It, it was fun. It was in 2000 and 2003, and it was a fully interactive web magazine. So you could go in there and listen to the interviews, and you could watch the videos. And, and this time, it was like, this was unheard of. Like, you couldn't, you know, you didn't see this online at the time. Now we see it like every three seconds in our news feeds. Yeah. But at the time, it was pretty cool and innovative. And what I found, though, was that, I really didn't know how to run the business side of running a magazine. And so that's where, you know, I, I think that was probably my first like full on, I started running a web design company and still I just wasn't getting the results I wanted. So I went back to corporate and mm -hmm. uh, uh, just actually kind of navigated through different roles as a content designer, content producer, writer, author, wrote over 200 articles for magazines and different publications, and then landed in a, a role at a publishing house, home to Oxygen Women's Fitness Magazine, Clean Eating, Muscle Mag, and helped them leading the strategies behind building communities of over 80,000. Wow. With all that stuff that I had learned and, and translated these content strategies into things like Facebook and Twitter, email list building, uh, and membership sites. So it was like, holy cow, I've landed on something really amazing here that these strategies transcend the technology and the platforms and and yeah. probably what we're going to talk a little bit more about today but the, at the end of the day uh, what's really kept me going is just am i inspiring people with my content <laughs> yeah. you know and that's when i started working with those fitness magazines and when i went on mat leave had my son in 2012 i was actually downsized with a, a bunch of other people in the mm -hmm. publishing industry there was a bit of a definitely a industry wide decline in, in, in uh, financial challenges mm -hmm. with magazine publications, especially with the shift to digital. And so I was let go, but given a severance and also uh, decided, you know what, I don't want to commute with a, a baby. I don't want to commute three hours a day. 
I'm going to go full on and launch my, my business 110%, no looking back, no regrets in life. Like this is, this is it. Wow. There you go. Yeah. So six, six years later now, you know, we talk about the journey and the soul of, you know, the women that you're interviewing. I never, and I I mentioned this last week, I think I never asked my husband permission Mm -hmm. to launch full-time 110% into entrepreneurship (laughs) with a baby, uh, a baby in tow. And, and and that's something I think that we, we, you know, there's a lot of coaches out there talking about like, don't ask your husband if you should spend money on your coaching programs, things like that. I've heard a lot, but I'm not really talking about that kind of permission. I'm really talking about, hey, I'm about to jump into a roller coaster ride where I don't know where the finish line is. And, you know, along the way, there's going to be health issues and loneliness and isolation and miscarriages and health, health issues, you know, like it goes on and on and on. I did not know what I was signing up for. And, you know, either did he. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I can totally relate to that because it is a roller coaster ride and every month it's different. And, you know, all of you entrepreneurs or aspiring entrepreneurs listening, it can really be up and down as far as money. It can be up and down as far as clients. It can, you never know what the day is going to hold, which is both fantastic and also terrifying. And so if your spouse is not prepared for that, it's, yeah, I mean, I don't think mine was either. And But to be honest, I don't think I was fully prepared for how yeah. volatile it can be. I mean, it's it's 2020 hindsight, right? Like mm-hmm. I, if I had known what I was signing up for, you know, they always say you're leaving your 40 hour a week corporate job to work 80 hours as an entrepreneur. Yes. You know, you don't hear that joke until you're two, three, four years into your business. And you're like, oh yeah, right. That's exactly what happened. So, you know, and I will be gentle on myself and just say, you know, I didn't really know either. I was living the dream. I was going after my true desires and and he fully supported that. We just didn't know what we had signed up for. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. I totally relate to that. So let's go back to like the isolation piece, because I think that's a piece that a lot of other women can really understand from those of us who work from home and who run our own businesses how have you dealt with isolation and what does that look like for you yeah well i think the first step is like just being aware that you are isolating yourself and possibly lonely in the process i think that being an entrepreneur takes a certain type of person an individual that not a lot of other people identify with mm-hmm. so that that's the first step is is really going oh wow like yeah i am different and it's okay <laughs> mm-hmm. um you know for so long and, and still to this day I, I i describe myself sometimes as that mad scientist you know coming up with all these ideas and and doing these crazy things that are you know and i've reframed that we talk about i know you were talking earlier in this week about reframing looking at well yeah i am i actually I'm excited to say, to say I'm a mad scientist, but before it was coming from a place of, of sort of like, oh my God, I'm a mad scientist. Nobody understands me. Nobody gets me to a place now where I, I attract other mad scientists because we are going after our dreams and we are on a journey and we are committed. And, and it's like, it's okay to be different. In fact, it's better. (laughs) Yeah. I I think maybe that's why we get along so well, because I'm a little bit of that too. Like, I have constant ideas, and I'm always wanting to try things and do things, and 
I think to most people who are not in that world, it looks crazy. And they're like, what do you do? Oh my gosh. Like, can't you just work a normal job? And yes, I mean, I could do that, but I'm also like, I have so many creative ideas and just, I want to have my hands in a million different projects. Yeah. Yeah. And you know what? I will tell you that things have shifted over the last three or four years for me because I started I, I started making a couple changes. So I want to share these with you because I think they're important. I'm being called to share these today. <laughs> and and the first change was ultimately the idea of less is more. Mm, yeah. And you know, we talk about, you asked me about defining success. So initially when I first started as being an entrepreneur, success to me meant being busy, being occupied, being distracted, stressed, uh, frustrated, yes. overwhelmed, scared. Uh, all these things. And, and, and so I started redefining what success meant to me and also that it didn't mean being tired and unhealthy. And so I started leading my, my annual planning with the, the mantra of health is my business strategy. Mm. Health is my business strategy because, you know, health is wealth and, and you don't always, you know, you don't have a business if you don't have your health. Yeah. Okay. So, so that's pretty serious. And so if you're not putting yourself first from a mental point of view and health and physical and all that stuff like that's, you can't put yourself um, in a good place for your clients. And, and so, yeah, like things started really shifting when I started thinking that way. So that less is more and, and health is, is a business strategy. And then the other piece of that, I think, was that I stopped saying and thinking that I was lucky every time clients wanted to work with me or signed up to work with me. <laughs> I'm just so, laughing because I've totally had that like, oh my gosh, someone's contacting me. I can't believe it. Like, yeah, like, wow. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. Right. And yeah. so one of the things that I did with that uh, revelation was that I started looking at the fact that I was, I, I wanted to create sales on demand and I wanted to be able to be in a position where I was I had a repeatable sales process. Yeah. And, and, and so I actually reached out to mentors early on just to focus on what is my sales process and, and, and how do I do sales as an entrepreneur and wearing all these hats and manage my money and, and, and what is, and, and, and the fact that, you know, going into this, I didn't even know that you could have your own sales process right? Like that you, you know, this is how I show up for a call and this is a script that maybe I, I, I flow from, right? Like here's the questions I ask and here's what happens. And so I, I started shifting. I always knew that marketing was a sales tool. Obviously I've been in marketing for 20 years plus. Um, but what I, I really wanted to understand better was, well, actually marketing is a sales tool. So what is your sales strategy? <laughs> you know, what is your sales plan? How do people buy your product and how do they experience you? And and so it, they come hand in hand. And I just really wanted to excel at that side of, of my business so I could help others do the same. That's really interesting because I'm realizing I think that's my biggest hang up is I've been so like, oh, I don't like sales. I don't like sales. The reason I thought of this is I was going through and updating my list and my scheduler keeps track of like all the discovery calls I've, I've had since I first started using the scheduler, so three years. And I was like, wow, there are so many people on here that 
I did not end up working with for one reason or the other because I think I failed at the sales call because I got too nervous or they were scared about price and I didn't know how to get them over that that hump. And yeah, it's really, really interesting. And you're right, it is a sales tool. And I think as I expand my vision to say, okay, I can be good at sales. Like I can do it in a way that's uniquely me without being pushy, that'll get better. Oh, big time. And I think too, that the one like epiphany for me was, was I asking for the business? And, and secondly, did I get clear yeses and no's? So part of that was actually, you know, when things really started, when I started having sold out launches, one of the things that I did was really work on the clarity behind my sales offers so that people could say no to it. And I got really excited when I got no's because I was like, oh my gosh, I'm making it easy for people to say no, which means I'm making it easy for, for the right people to say yes. Yeah. Right. And, and so clarity and coming from the content strategy point of view, you know, there were, there were 10 things that I like to put in my, my pitches and offers. And one of them, you know, I always like to start with is who is this not for? Yeah. Who is this not for? And that's a really easy place for a lot of people to start with because it's, it's probably more obvious then who is this for? Because sometimes we like to say it's for everybody. Everybody needs this. No, 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 no. So start with who it's not for and then move into who it is for uh, along with how do I, you know, there, there's so many other things. It, it's, it's a whole other topic of, of <laughs> but well, maybe we'll have to do another live or something on my page and just talk about that. Because... Yeah. Yeah. Let's do it. Let's do it. <laughs> Yeah, if you guys didn't catch it, um, I did a live on Lee's page um, a couple weeks ago. This will have been months ago by the time you guys hear it, but you should go back and check it out because it was a really fun conversation and we got into a lot of deep stuff that we don't have time to go back over today, (laughs) but you guys should definitely listen to it. Yes, it's part of a series. I'm doing a, a series of interviews throughout 2019 as well. So you'll see see a bunch of them about women that are ready to amplify and probably already amplifying themselves and the journey that they take in getting to that next level and all the fears and barriers and 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 areas that they overcome. And it's part of a celebration of my newly released book, Ready to Amplify Child Disability Impact. <laughs> and it's yeah. a really good book, guys. You should definitely pick it up. It's short and sweet and to the point and gives you so many great ideas and really valuable pieces of information. Yeah, you know, we talked we talked about this and, and, and I think it relates to what we're talking about today is that at the end of the day, we have to create our systems that support us. So alignment and flow and feel good content is important because, you know, if you don't have that clarity or the conviction behind what you're doing, then even the most amazing offers will fall flat. Yes. Right. So, so whether that's capacity or maybe you don't have the commitment uh, behind what you're putting out there, maybe actually getting what you want isn't really what you want. So the energy isn't there to meet mm-hmm. what you're putting out there. And, you know, we talk a lot about resistance and um, we hear a lot about this and in, in just in our world, I think, Melody. And, yes. um, <laughs> you know, and yeah, so I think that when you're feeling what resists persists, uh, that's a really good, good lesson for me. And, and, and understanding that indecision 
in my, my mind, indecision is a decision. Mm-hmm. And so when you're sitting on the fence about your ideas, when you're, when you're, you know, these are just lessons I've learned that I, I just have empowered me so much into action and, and reducing all the types of things I'm trying to do to get to that point of like, like that focus mm-hmm. and those systems that support me in the way that I want it and need to be supported. Yeah. I really love that. Yeah. I, one of the other guests that, oh, bless you, oh, that, uh, <laughs> that um, you guys will hear soon, Trista Long, she was talking in her interview about failure and how failure is not failing. It's just a lesson of what you could be doing or how you could be doing something differently. And I really liked that because it really reframes the way we see failure and failed launches and failed businesses and bad years because it's just teaching you something. You just have to tune into what that is for you and your business. I love that. Yeah, I've been saying fail forward a lot lately, (laughs) like fail forward, because ultimately, if you look at everything you do as a mistake, you're you're just going to slow yourself down. And at the end of the day, it's up to you and how you do you and your mindset. And, you know, that's pretty, pretty valuable. That's a really good lesson to, to chalk up in those show notes for sure. (laughs) You know, So, have you ever dealt in your business with imposter syndrome? Yes. (laughs) Yep. All the time. And I will tell you, there's no rhyme or reason behind it. I have 20 plus years of experience and results. And it's interesting. I think even putting out this book, you know, and writing, writing on my topic of expertise and being like, you know what, I am owning this now. Like I'm writing the book on it and on, on content that converts and showing up and shining and showing up and serving. Mm -hmm. These things are important to me. And imposter syndrome is a huge thing that I think, I think it's, it's a daily practice to get through it. That's, you know, I, I know that there's a lot of energy around that, but, um, you know, one of my mentors, her name is Laura Wright, and she's a great person if you want to do, you know, any sales mentoring with, she's just incredible. And she, she used to share with me that what she did is something called like an evidence folder. And so an evidence folder is something where you take screenshots of the nice things that people say or the, the feedback you get. And so when you're feeling that imposter syndrome, you can you know, pull it, pull it out, open up that, that folder, digital or physical and, and get the proof, you know, the proof that you need. And, and part of my job as a content strategist is to help my clients create the social proof that they need in their business. And so that they're constantly getting ongoing and incoming testimonials on demand and in a, in a systematic way. So that, you know, people are coming to them. They don't have to hunt for clients because they're, they're just reinforcing their, their expertise and positioning themselves as that go-to expert. And so you have to have systems for yourself mindset wise and systems for your audience to also be in alignment with what you're doing. Yeah, I absolutely love that. It's so great. And that's something I think we all can use is I know for me for years, I didn't gather testimonials because I was too nervous to ask people. Um, Much like I was talking about in my video the other day, I am have always kind of been the type of person that just wants to do it on their own. Like I don't ask for help. I don't ask for for referrals because I just 
I want to prove it to myself that I can do it, that I can do it all alone. Like I think of it as in like high school when you're doing a group project. I was always the person that said, well, nobody else is doing anything. I'll just do it all. Like that's, that was my mentality. And finally I've been like, what would happen if I just asked people that I know and trust if they have referrals for me? Just doing that has, in the past couple of days, I've been so shocked by people who were like, oh yeah, I know 10 people. And, you know, it's just the energy of saying, all right, I can't do this all on my own. Not that I'm not capable, not that I'm not capable, but there are all these people waiting in the wings who just want to help me or help you or help anybody. They're just waiting for you to ask. Oh, it's huge. That That is something I think that's come up. And I think it came up too when we spoke about the process of being ready to amplify is that it does take a village. Mm-hmm. And, you know, what I found was really interesting being that I help my clients leverage book launches and leverage their own product launches with online marketing strategies and content. And so when I did my book, one of the things that I tell my clients to do is to actually do some advanced reading copies and put that out there so you can get advanced praise for your book. And when I actually had to go out there and I reached out to some of the women that had transformed my career and I sent them a copy of my galley copy of my book and I said, look, I would love to get your feedback so I can put your testimonial on the back cover of my book or inside the first 10 pages. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that was like so nerve wracking. I remember when I, I got the first text back from one of them and I just like cried because they believed in me and of course they did, right? But it's like... Mm -hmm. It was so hard to ask and it, it and it's like a muscle. You have to practice and get, you know, get used to it. But I will tell you, asking Amber Mack, who in Canada up here is one of Canada's go-to tech experts. She has a radio talk show on Sirius FM. I've been following her career and inspired by her. And when I wrote my book, I reached out and I, I, I sent her an eight minute video message <laughs> and I DM'd her and I was like, Amber, like, I was waiting and waiting for the right person to write the forward of my book. And I, I think it's you, like you, you are so authentic and in alignment with showing up and stepping into a bigger spotlight and you navigate your journey. And I had this conversation with her six years ago where she shared with me how she had a breakdown where like her health was compromised. She was traveling all over the world, doing speaking keynotes. She had a family and I, I was just getting started in my full-time entrepreneur with a, you know, status with a, with a baby. And I said to her, like, I'm so tired and overwhelmed. Like, what should I do? And she said, make, make it your strategy, like make it a strategy to take care of you and your health. And so she actually was so touched by me asking in a personal way and, and, and doing that video message that she said, yes. Yeah. And, and, and this was huge. Like she, um, I'm not going to lie. She has like over 300,000 Facebook fans. Like I was like, she's a very busy woman. I remember the day after she asked, like she was at a different keynote every single day between when I asked her and, and when she wrote the forward and you know, like, wow, I was just like, she still took the time to write the forward. What you just said, like that is another Facebook live or a podcast <laughs> in itself because it takes a village and, and you really, it's amazing what you can get when you make some bold asks. Yeah, so circling back to that, this is probably, again, another topic, but in that vein, you have to kind of make the ask in a right way. (laughs) (laughs) Well, yes, yes. Uh, Um, I always lead with show up and and serve, right? Uh It is about what can I do for you rather than what can you do for me? Right. And, And so that is, I think, a really 
really just very, it's one of those best practices. You can't, it's not about you. It's about, it's about them. You know, it's about collaboration and, and helping others. Yeah. So for me, one of the best strategies I've been using, it's much like you said, I have been reaching out to potential clients or just people with either voice messages or video messages. And people appreciate that so much more than just a note, an email, because it's connection. It's the human to human, heart to heart, emotional connection. It's not just I copy and pasted this email 3,000 times. It's you took the time to send me a minute long message. You took the time to send me a five minute video. I love that. I love that. I I find that that is one of, it's just so valuable in today's time and age when we're inundated with emails and messages and notifications, when you can make it more personal. And and part of, you know, what I talk about in my book is like applying good old fashioned strategies to every platform. So you can transcend the technology, transcend the medium and, and really get down to like, how do I make other people feel good? How do I serve? How do I show up? And, and yeah, relationship building is where it's at and having your systems that Mm -hmm. you go to that you do daily are, are crucial. Yeah, they're absolutely crucial. So let's talk about where everyone can find this incredible book so that they can go buy it after this interview. Yay. Okay. So check out leefowler.com slash book, which is super easy. There's a book trailer there and a bunch of resources. And if you want to hang out some more, as, as you know, Facebook is kind of where I like to hang out Melody yeah. these days. And I have a group of women called the Confident Content Creator Club. It's a free Facebook group where we talk Ooh. all things content. And I love to give people an opportunity to step up on their soapbox and and get visible and do and broadcast their expertise into the group. So there's lots of ways to share, get feedback, ask questions and hang out. So that's, that's, that's kind of where I like to, that was actually one of my solutions for feeling so isolated in the first few years is I started this Facebook group about three years ago and I, I, no turning back for me. Like they are my tribe. I show up for them. They show up for me. And it's just a warm place to hang out, especially when it gets cold in, <laughs> in, in your entrepreneur isolation journey. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. But you know what I'm saying? It's yeah, a very warm and friendly place. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's, you know, I've been in a ton of groups. Um, at one point, I think I was in 200 groups and I left a bunch because they just felt icky. They just felt um, spammy and just not valuable, but your group feels different. Um, it's a very like warm, energetic positive, vibrant place. And I actually like interacting in there because it doesn't feel like everybody's only in it for themselves. It feels like very collaborative. Um, And like they're all women who want to link arms with each other and help each other out. Rise up, sister. I love it. (laughs) Which you know I'm all about. That's my whole mission. Hello. Um, (laughs) You guys should definitely come join us there. It's a party. We, We have fun. It is a party. (laughs) Yeah. Well, thank you so much for being on my podcast, Lee. This was absolutely the best. And we're going to have to have you back on because we have like a thousand other things to talk about. Oh, I feel like we could talk all day. Like I I just, you know, (laughs) this is what happens. I think when you are with your kindred spirits and especially I think your podcast, it's just about uniting women in the journey and and sharing our our aha moments and, and, and just lifting everyone up, empowering them. Thank you for joining me for the Biz Babes with Soul podcast. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and share with your friends. 
To learn more about me, Melody Spencer, and the show, please visit swiftlysocial.com.